Okay, welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast number 170 this week. We're really getting high on those numbers there. And haven't we got a good one for you this week? We've got some big issues in the world of rugby and I could think of uh, no better people to have on to discuss uh, everything that went on in the world of rugby last week in Super Rugby and in Australian Rugby. So without further ado, let's get to the first of the guests tonight, which is uh, Mr. Matt Riley. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? Uh, I'm not too bad, not too bad. Um, been a while since you've been on the podcast. Uh, what have you been, obviously, doing really high-level uh, green and gold rugby? You know, you kind of moved beyond the podcast, I'd like to think, and, in, in, you know, uh, into more of the sort of diplomatic and international relations. <laughs> Mate, I was redefining the internet with our new site design, um, you know, breaking new ground, uh, you know, that sort of thing, and then just begging, trying to get some time back on the podcast. But, uh, you know, no, no one taking me on board. <laughs> yeah, it's worth actually pointing out that we've had a bit of a two-week absence. Uh, I should have said that up front, but obviously we're just doing a bit of rest and recuperation. We had a uh, a mid-season retreat, actually, Matt, and thanks for lending the chalet out for, for those two weeks. My um, pleasure. I'm just glad it gets used, you know, it sits there otherwise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we've done a lot of planning, and, geez, we've got a whole lot planned coming up to the World Cup, but we'll get to that later. Firstly, I'll bring in our other guest, uh, Mr. Britt Mackay. How are you? I'm well, guys. Thanks for having me back again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's we love to have you as always. Uh, <laughs> unlike most of the other people we have on this, you actually have some decent opinions and you can back them up with some evidence. So it's it's always nice to have <laughs> Oh, geez, e- evidence. I didn't get that memo. <laughs> yeah, new concept. Quick, yeah. just, yeah, let's op- open up that Wikipedia page and we'll, we'll be right. <laughs> perhaps perhaps so, the, the, biggest, the biggest question I've got up front is, is how can you have a, a mid-season retreat after round six? <laughs> of an 18 week season. <laughs> exactly. Well, we yeah. Well, we, we 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 started with a few bloody Marys just to <laughs> to really get us back because we'd already seen the cracks starting to appear. So you've got to, you've got to act. Like the, the the Reds' season's already open, over. So it was end of season for Reds. Kind the of review started. Yeah. yeah, that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got to get our digs in at the Reds early, so that's always nice. Um, let, let's get stuck into it, and, and we're going to start with the David Pocock issue and uh, what basically transpired on Sunday afternoon, and we'll get to the game a bit later, but I think the big issue of the last couple of days has been uh, the uh, allegation made by David Pocock at the time, um, which was picked up, uh, obviously, through the referees' mics, uh, that there'd been uh, homophobic remarks made uh, to directed at, at the Brumbies. We're not, not sure if it was a specific player. Um, after some back-and-forth wrangling, it came out yesterday that uh, Jacques Potgieter was the culprit and he's been fined a $20,000 sum by the ARU with 10000 of that suspended. Um, obviously, it's gained a lot of coverage in the media. Um, I think... Before I go to you guys, I'd, I'd probably suggest, I dare say, put words in your mouth, but uh, it's pretty universally recognised that, that what Potgieter said was, was wrong and, and um, that uh, no one is, of course, uh, um, what's the word, no one's condoning what he said or, or the actions that took place. Um, firstly, I think we'll start with you, Brett, and get that, the big issue out of it was, um, do, you think, do you think this has been handled well by the ARU? Yeah, I do actually. I do for the for the whole episode to go from allegation to fine and statements out in a little over twenty four hours um, by ARU standards <laughs> um, was bloody wonderful. If we're perfectly honest, I I actually feared the worst when we heard on Monday night that Sanzar were handing handing it back to the ARU, and I sort of thought, oh, here we go, it's going to go on for you know a week, ten days, and there'll be it'll be he shed, see shed. Yeah, tribunal, and there'll be QCs flown in from wherever, and it would just go nowhere quickly. But from my understanding of it, and having spoken to a few a few people around the traps, it it, it was it was pretty clear on the uh, on on the ref mics and the and the ref cams. Um, evidently, it was put to Jacques Potgieter that that it was him. He's admitted his 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 sins, um, 
and he's copped the fine on the on the chin. It has to be said, and and I think for that to all come out and be done in, as I said, a little over a day, uh, I don't think they could have handled it much better. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it was a pretty cut and dried thing, and, and once it's all on the table, yeah. I mean, I. I think we're. It's, it shows, I think, the opinions of the ARU that everyone has um, that this has greeted with some surprise that they've managed to resolve what equates to essentially yeah. the easiest whodunit of all time. Um, you've practically got the murderer holding the gun, so to speak. Um, you know, and it's it's pretty. You know, Jacques's been caught red-handed, but uh, yeah, I, and I think the fine was appropriate too. Um, Matt, I mean, your your thoughts on the issue? There's been some. I suppose criticisms of, of by some of David Pocock as to how he handled it uh, at the time. Do you think? Do you think uh, he was right to raise it with Craig Joubert when he did? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you hold the beliefs as strongly as David does, and that, you know you, you can't argue against them. Then I think he just said, "Look, you know, there's no putting up with that." I, I do think it's interesting. I mean, I think it probably reflected on where we all are now. That because, as I understand it, I don't think I, it was wrong no matter what, right? But I don't think he was actually, as I'm aware, saying it directed at anybody in a way, um, I don't know, in a, in a homophobic sense other than he was using a homophobic word, if that makes any sense. Mm. I'm not aware that he was, for example, victimizing somebody that he knew to be homosexual. Um, I could be wrong on that. That's actually a question I've got because to me, they're both wrong and um, – Probably the, the the fine was right for what I think he did, which was just use a wrong word. Although that's, like I say, that's pretty amazing if you think about it these days, uh, uh, compared to only a few years ago, mm. um, or whether this thing would ever have come, you know, would have seen the light of day. Um, so I think that's quite amazing. But yeah, I, I'm just trying to figure out my because I think it'd be quite a different thing, right? If he was, you know, uh, victimising somebody for their sexuality and using that word, versus he kind of just, I think he just used that word quite idiotically. Um, as another epithet, which isn't good, and it's not good to use that. But anyway, they're, they're two two different situations, and I think it's more the idiotic one than the other. Uh, but whichever way you look at it, I, I think it's. I guess it says a lot for the game that people have said no, that's not good enough. And then, you know, he's had that twenty that twenty grand. Just remind me how much was Curtly Bill's fine for harassing somebody in the in the workplace and being convicted of it? Uh, was it was it thirty? Forty maybe thirty or forty. Oh, I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was. 40 and 10 was suspended, so maybe that's where the 30 is coming yeah. from. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, anyway, you, we're in murky waters then, aren't we? I yeah. mean, how much, how much did, um, you know, how much did Quade Cooper get fined for saying there was a toxic to- toxic atmosphere? I mean, these are the bits that are now, I think that was 30-odd, wasn't it? Um, oh, yeah. I was, I was going to say, I think that was somewhere near 30 or 40 as well. So Yeah, or northward. The, so, the, yeah, the, that's, a, that's a bit better than the word that, that yeah, yeah. used. The interesting part of this is that I don't know if you guys have read the ARU inclusion policy. It's it's only eleven pages long, and it actually doesn't include um, recommended sanctions. It it has a section devoted to sanctions and that sanctions should be handed out mm. and recorded, but it doesn't actually say what those sanctions are. And so this is essentially now a precedent. It's a it's going to be a test case going forward for this policy, but more broadly because. At the time the ARU bought out their inclusion policy, they signed up along along with the AFL, the NRL, Cricket Australia, uh, and Netball Australia. I think they all co-signed similarly inclusive policy. So it's actually going to be a test case for professional sport Australia wide. Now Um, it's going to be really really interesting to see how the next instance, if there is one, um, is handled. Mm. Yeah, I I agree, and I I think it's it's. It's backed up the ARU, what David Pocock's and then the ARU's response has backed up the fact that rugby is really the leader in, in Australian sport in combating homophobia. I think it's probably fair to say, um, given the uh, prominent uh, position of the Sydney convicts, uh, especially in, in the life of New South Wales rugby, um, you know, hosting the Bingham Cup uh, and, you know, having a big involvement in the Mardi Gras this, this year. I, I think it's good to see that, that um, the codes really, you know, um, I, I dare say a leader on, and I, and I wonder how often words that Jacques said, I mean, are added on rugby league grounds and AFL grounds, and and go go un, un, un sort of called on. And I hope in rugby it does start being call, called called mm-hmm. more um, by the opposition, by and by the players on 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 the own uh, the side of whoever it is that said it. Um, but let, let's move to to probably a, a a bit of a corollary issue because this case. 
as much people there is a bit of hysteria and and um it's quite a touchy subject obviously homophobia and, and slander and that sort of thing but you can tease out certain issues that have come out of it and i suppose the other one that was raised today by greg, uh, wayne smith and the australian and then by greg martin um is david pocock and basically his persona within australian rugby um and obviously his political views are tied in that as well as um, his stance on issues like homophobia, um, and does that make him suitable for the role of Wallaby captain? And, and, and both of those guys argued that it probably didn't. So, I mean, Brett, do you, do you think that this sort of behaviour precludes Pocock from um, getting the Wallaby captaincy? I, I think it'll be I think it'll be absolutely disgraceful if either of the, these guys' um, positions that were put forward today come to pass, because if they do then essentially the ARU, ARU is ignoring its own inclusion policy and will discriminate against David Pocock for having a stance. That's yeah, what it will essentially boil down to. And to and, be fair, I'll, I'll interject quickly and say that, that Michael Checker was uh, pressed on yes, this he issue was. this afternoon yep. and, said, and basically rubbished it and said it's, it's going to be of no um, – it's not going to be considered at all when it comes to handing out the captaincy. But, Brett, I'll yeah. let you continue. Yeah. It comes out handing the captaincy to Michael Hooper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe that was the implication. Dave's not going to be the team anyway. Yeah, look, I, I actually saw Wayne Smith's column before I heard that Greg Martin had made similar comments. And and, and Wayne Smith's column to me was written quite obviously from a position of having spoken to someone in ARU authority. And I was more concerned by his column than I have to than I was by Greg Martin's comments, I have to admit. Um, just just because, as I said, that if, if it comes to pass, then that's, just, that's that policy – essentially torn up and made pointless um they can't in one in one moment say we're inclusive for, for everyone playing rugby there's no discrimination based on sex race you know whatever sexual orientation um and then have someone want and, and actually implore someone to report instances of of that type of thing and then to hold that against that same person when it comes to handing out the Wallaby captaincy i think that would be an absolute disgrace if that, if that comes to pass and and i I mean, I, in some ways, and in some arguments, that you know, maybe the argument should be that, that David Pocock should be the, the, the Wallaby captain based on that, because of the fact that he's willing to stand up for these things, he's willing to um, to, to be to stand strong for things that he believes in. You know, maybe that's the sort of person we actually do want in charge of the Wallabies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, Matt, before I go to you, I, I'll raise this and I'll see what you think of it. Because, I mean, I, I think this... Um, issue on Sunday has nothing to do with it. I think actually what has a lot more to do with it is the issue that happened, I think, in November, him chaining himself to a, to a bulldozer on a mine site. I think that if if that has far more ramifications, I believe, than what happened on Sunday, which I think he should be applauded for. Um, I, I Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think the decision on Wallaby captaincy is the coaches to make, and it shouldn't have anything to do with off-field. It's whoever is the best leader on the field and whoever can contribute most to the team. And if that's David Pocock, then he should get the nod. I will say, though, that putting him into the captaincy is something of a risk because he his principles and his ability to stand for his principles are laudable, um, but there is the chance that he will take an unpopular position on something, which he may well believe in and he's entitled to do, but with the platform of the Wallaby captaincy, um, it could conflate it to an issue where it grows in importance and could be problematic for rugby, for Australian rugby and for the Wallabies. Now, again, I'll come back to the fact, I, I don't think it should preclude Pocock from getting the captaincy. I'd be all for it if, if he's is um, if the right man for the job. Um, so, but, can, I, well, can I jump in there? Because, I mean, what is it that one would be afraid of him representing. I'm not really aware of him backing any cause that you could say is anything other than, a, you know, fairly moral causes that it's kind of hard to, you know, over, you know, to say, uh, you know, fine, you might not always agree with him, for example, on mining, I'm guessing. Um, but, you know, they're fairly morally backed causes, right? So it's not like, for example, I don't know, he's... He's, yeah, he's uh, not. He's yeah. not. Yeah, he's not like, anti-gay marriage or something. Yeah, or or, or, that, or that he's going to come out and sort of say, you know, bubbling is uh, <laughs> is, 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 is is all well and good. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a it's a thing about control, isn't it? 
So but, you know, also, you, you well, don't have control over it because this because this guy's got a moral stance and he will stand up and he won't you know he won't back down over a captaincy or whatever else or stopping a game. Um, you know, and I think that's probably more the, what the worry is there. And I think it's less about the, you know, the homophobia thing. It's probably more about the mining interests. And I think that we're just you're seeing classic um, establishmentarianism, like the one that's bred deep into you, Hugh. This is, <laughs> this, is, this, is this is what you're feeling. You're, you're feeling it tingle in the back of your mind. Um, you know that uh, you know that they don't. That someone's not going to have control over that. I personally think that if we look at some of the problems we've had in the Wallabies only a few months ago, um, that actually maybe having somebody that you know would never cop that stuff um, actually would be a pretty good thing to have in, in and around the place and knowing that he's leading and for everybody else to know that he's not going to take that stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I actually think, you know, for those, for the bit that you feel like you don't control him because he might stand up for something, that might just be the reason why you should choose him. It's, it's not that I don't, again, I'll clarify again, <laughs> I, You're the man. I, I can. I can understand. You're the oppressor. I can understand why he's seen as a risk. I can yeah. understand it. I can see a hypothetical scenario of. Um, oh, actually, I don't want to delve into hypothetical scenarios because it's only going to end in tears. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't pick him. I really like him. I, again, I agree with most of what he stands for. Although it is worth pointing out that a lot of people don't, um, regardless of whether that's right or wrong. Um, not on the gay, not on the homophobia stuff, obviously, but more on the social justice side. Um, yeah, and, and I suppose the other argument, Brett and Matt, I'll, I'll pitch this to both of you. I mean, again, in the context of the captaincy, and it's, it's unpopular, but I think it needs to be said that him doing what he did on Sunday is not going to make him more popular amongst the players. And, and, and that it's, it's sad, but I think it's probably true. Yeah, and, and, that's what, and that's what both Wayne Smith and Greg Martin were alluding to. Um, and... I think Greg Martin even said that he's going to be a divisive sort of guy, he, and he won't he won't break the team down along state lines. It'll be more down the lines of who supports what he did and who didn't. Um, and it's probably arguable at the moment which of those two groups is the bigger. Um, you know, and and, and that might ch- might change over time. Ultimately, everyone might support him, and it's fine. It's no issue. But if there's going to be a little bit of lingering doubt there then it does have the potential to be divisive but again i go back to what you said matt and i completely agree if he's the sort of bloke that's not going to stand up for um you know stupid carry-on like we have seen within the wallabies in the last six months um or or nine months or longer even then i don't think him being in charge is a bad thing yep agreed well with that all said and done let's let's actually focus on what probably will uh decide david pocock's fate and that's the rugby on the field and we'll go straight to the game on Sunday, considering we've sort of touched on it already, with the Brumbies beating the Waratahs 28-13. And I've got to say, I, I know you were at the ground. Pretty, Matt, I was... pretty, pretty <laughs> sure that result was the opposite to what you just said, mate. Did I say? What did I say? <laughs> the Brumbies beating the Waratahs? Yeah. Oh, God. Well, we'll oh. let it that out. We'll let it that out straight away. I'll tell you that much. Wishful. Thank you. Jeez. Look, I can make a couple of quick phone calls to Sanzo. We can get this ratified. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, oh, I'll, I'll get a, a few of angry all, phone calls from Czech because I'm sure he's, 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 uh, he'll listen. Um, of all the Freudian slips you could have made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, You're dead to me. Let, dead to let, me. Let, let's, <laughs> let's get to the game. And, I mean, I was just saying, Matt, you were there. I was there too. Jeez, oh, oh, it was brutal. It was a physical, physical game, and you knew both sides were right up for it. And I've got to say, at one point, it really reminded me of State of Origin, not just because of what – was going on on the field, but also, and this unfortunately led to the incident later in the game, but through the, through the mics I was listening to, geez, there was some niggle. There was some real feeling. You can tell with every mistake from either side, there was cheers, there was um, encouragements, there were put-downs. It, it, it was on. It was really on. Um, Matt, I mean, what was your experience from, from um, noticeably probably a few beers in, um, <laughs> judging by some of the photos I've seen? But, uh... um, actually, yeah, well, d- d- during the game wasn't so bad. It was probably what happened afterwards. But I do remember, I mean, yeah, it was, um, it was a brutal game. It was, it, was a great, it was a great match to watch. Uh, to start with, I mean, it wasn't a great start from the Tars, um, you know, with uh, Matty Tumu just waltzing through a hole there, mm. um, which was a bit of a worry. But actually, I, I think I texted about halfway through the match to um, a Queensland mate of mine that they're back 
Um, I, I think we saw why the Tars are, you know, even though they were below halfway in the in the table, they're looking like title t- contenders again, I think, because they made what we know as a very good Brumby team, um, you know, just look overpowered. Um, I thought, you know, the Tars, all of a sudden, you know, when Israel Folau is starting to break the line again and offload and even score tries, um, you know, then, then you're in trouble. I mean, that was probably the thing that I noticed. I thought the Brumbies really got done out wide. Um, yeah. The uh, Waratahs seemed to be kind of running through them at will there. Um, it was a bit more of a, a tighter bat- battle kind of up front, as you would expect, but the Tars still seem to be able to make uh, yards, you know, through the middle. Um, and that's just the power game that they kind of managed to pull back on. So um, it was, yeah, I mean, I, like I say, my overall piece that I kind of took away was I just felt that the, you know, the Tars managed to make what we know to be a very good Brumby side, who I don't think were playing that badly, um, did look a little bit average. And I kind of felt like the Tars, you know, probably would be a little bit disappointed they didn't manage to notch up a bonus point. Yeah, I mean, Brett, is that where you saw, saw it coming down to? Obviously, uh, the Brumbies... Probably a little bit disappointing, um, especially a few a few players. Um, Tavita Kurandrani springs to mind, but um, probably a bit out muscled up front as well. Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, it was it, it was it was brutal. It was everything that Matt said. Um, it was played played very much up front around the fringes. I actually thought the the Waratahs um, midfield defence was superb. If if and they they defended on the Brumbies exactly how I expected the Brumbies midfield defence to attack the Waratahs. Um, so and and notwithstanding the fact that um, it seemed whenever the ball was given to one of the Waratahs wingers, he seemed to have space in front of him. So there were certainly issues on the on the edges there for the for the um, for the Brumbies. What what was interesting, I thought, and and and, and Matt, you just you just said that you, it felt like the Waratahs were making ground whenever they whenever they wanted to. The advantage line stats for both teams um, were in the fifties, in the fifty percents. So I think, mm-hmm. and the, the Waratahs had the had an edge, but essentially, neither team was really making the advantage line much more than every second ta- every second run. So mm-hmm. it gives you an idea of just how how upfront and how how brutal it really was in in that game. Uh, I think ultimately, in the end, the the Waratahs' defence over the last sort of Maybe seventeen minutes was what won it for them in the end. It felt like it felt like Michael Clark, uh, Michael Clark, <laughs> Michael Hooper was uh, had been cloned out there. It just seemed to be everywhere at different points in in those in that last little bit and um, made some some absolute try saving tackles. And and then in the middle of all that, Toliladu scored that try and, and and that was that was enough in the end. It was it was um, it, I I actually think um, I, I agree. I think the Brumbies were better than the scoreline suggests, but at the same time, they couldn't really play much better than they were allowed to, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly the same thing about about the scoreline being a bit uh, deceptive because, you know, I, I um, said in my article after the game, I mean, the turning point, I mean, if Henry Spate scores that try on the corner, which, let's face it, he was inches away from doing, mm. um, you know, they're five points back. If, if Lilo kicks the conversion, they're three points back. Um as it as it happened that the Waratahs kept them out and and ended up scoring pretty soon after, um, thanks to a you know a, a nice bit of broken field play from Falau and backed up by Nayara Voro and then Latu in the other corner. Um, so I, I don't think we can. I mean, I, there's been a few commentators putting the pin through the Brumbies after this week, but I think as Super Rugby's taught us year and year again that we always seem to keep forgetting. I think is is that. It's so hard to judge teams after four or five weeks, even six, seven weeks, eight weeks. Um, and really, the whips don't start cracking until until the later half of the season. And, and drawing sweeping conclusions about any team is, is probably a bit broad. And on um, this and on this clash in particular, it's it's probably worth um, it's we've probably got to remember that you know the the Brumbies have only won twice in Sydney, and I think the Waratahs have only won two or three times in Canberra. So, you know, across the twenty years of the competition, it's been hard to win this game away from home. You know, regardless of where you are on the table. So, um, yeah, I, I, I certainly I certainly agree with all that. But it's it's a tough game. I think the worry yeah. for the, the the worry for the Brumbies now will be that. Um, you know, although they they've been looking fantastic and they're you know right up and right up on top of the table in terms of tries scored and, and tries conceded, 
they still only scored one try against the Chiefs and one try against the the, the the Waratahs. And so the two games against contender teams, if you like, they've lost and they've only scored one try. So I think that's going to be the little uh, the, the little nagging feeling this week as they've as they've got the bye and don't play anyone. Yeah, and I think that's certainly going to need the bye um, with a few little yeah. injury issues and obviously a bigger problem with Tavita Kurandjani being out for a couple of months with a shoulder injury. Um, Matt, I mean, who is, who is your standout? I mean, for mine... I suppose it's a guy that I, I mention often on this podcast flying under the radar, but I thought Cliff Parlew again flew under the radar and, and had his best game of the season. Also, um, Sakopi Kepu in the early minutes. Well, that would have been he, he would have he would have been mine, Sakopi Kepu. I mean, watching him live at the ground, he's a big unit these days, um, and he's and he's you know mo- mobile, but more impressively, I think um, in most weeks is he's he's working the scrum. Um, so you know, between with him and Slipper with in the Aussie front row, and if we can get Maury or um, TPN back at hooker, I think you know we've we've we're back to kind of matching it up uh, with a really solid scrumming front row. The um, the CO, the CO Kepu scrum battle was fantastic, and mm. and 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 actually, and and I, and I thought actually pretty even. It was actually on the other side, Robinson and, and Alexander, where where things tended to go awry. Yeah, was, I mean. Brett, who, who, <laughs> who, I mean, who was your Brumby standout? Um, because admittedly, I think I was probably watching the Waratahs a little bit more. Dare I say? But, uh, yeah, it was. It was probably. It was probably hard to pick a. Uh, probably hard to pick a standout um, for for the Brumbies. There was. I mean, Sam Carter got through a mountain of work, but I mean, he always does. And 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 the 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 debate will continue forevermore as to whether whether that mountain of work is actually effective or not. Uh, of which it's obviously hard to tell that from stats as well. Um, I thought um, I thought Nick White did a reasonable job keep, keeping them on the front foot, but I think um, or trying to keep them on the front foot. But I'd, I I don't think they any, too many of them at all got much of a chance to to shine. If I'm if I'm honest, um, a lot of like Itavea went off early in the second half with with uh, with perhaps some sort of injury there. Um, Scott Fardy seemed to have the the wind taken out of his sails after he. Um, after he was sent to the sent to the bin, um, you know, Tamua Lilafano, even Kurudrani in midfield, all sort of were were kept pretty well contained. I thought so. I, yeah, I don't think there was there, w- there would have been any Brumbies that outpointed their opposite. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think in terms of the Wallaby frame, I, I don't think we solved too many problems, and I don't think we were ever going to in round six. But I got to say, I think the the challenges, the guys that were impressive in the early rounds. I, I think I was a little bit disappointed with a few of them. Um, uh, Butler and um, Rory Arnold spring to mind. Yeah, probably a little bit quiet when a, when, a, when a breakout game would have, would have certainly helped. But again, it's a it's a long season and they've got a chance to turn that R- around. Rory, Ar- Rory Arnold's one of the guys that took a bit of a battering, as you, as you said. On you know, I'm not sure if you if you re- re- uh, remember it, but he was he got treatment on the ground for yeah, some did, sort of yeah. lower lower back issue a couple of times during the game, I think, before he before he end up end up coming off. So um, so that might be an issue there. But yeah, I'd I'd, I'd agree with that. I think yeah, uh, Jared Butler I thought was pretty quiet in, in the end. I think he was he was pretty well contained as well. Yeah, well. That was that game, and, and geez, I mean, it was an absolute belter. So let, let's hope we we both sides can can maintain that form. Um, a game that wasn't a belter, I've got to say, was the Rebels Lions on Friday night, <laughs> <laughs> with the Rebels going down sixteen to twenty after conceding a try with probably three or four minutes to go, and having the bulk of the game in possession, dominant territory, the lot, but they just couldn't make it count. Um, Brett, did you see this one? I didn't see it. Uh, I didn't see it live. I should say. I, I, I caught it. Uh, caught it later on in the weekend. And yeah, they they'll be. I mean, they were disappointed. There's no no two two ways about it. But they just they've just got a little bit of a habit of this in, uh, that I've just noticed this year. They just they tend to shell points in the last quarter of games. Um, and I think, I mean, we know that the Lions are are, are a uh, they're a hard working team. You know, like they've got a guy like Warren Whiteley in there who's just a machine at times in the back row he got he got through 20 yeah. odd tackles something like that on the weekend which is like i couldn't believe when i heard that um and so the, you know, the the lions i think the lions play within their obvious limitations pretty well but they were just good enough to sense an opportunity and then take it when it was there and and then when you've you know when you when you've got guys like yankees and and um Marnett's Boshoff, who wasn't even kicking, but when you've got guys like them kicking, they're just going to, 
you know, they, they, they are going to convert those opportunities into points. So yeah. um, the Rebels have got some harsh lessons to learn there, I think. They, you know, they, they're on the, it feels like they're on the cusp of, you know, becoming a, you know, genuine mid-tier team, if that sounds like an achievement. Yeah. But, but they're just letting themselves down when, you know, when they're, when they're about to take that step, they just let themselves down and, and trip at the last hurdle. Well, I mean, if, if they win that game, they're three and two. You know, exactly. and after five, and and they're right in it. I mean, yeah. I said on Twitter afterwards. I mean, the Rebels, if they want to be taken seriously as a as a contender team and not just some sideshow um, expansion sideshow, they've got to win these games. And yeah. and we're at the t- crunch time now. We've had years of of build up, and now they've got you know a really competitive side. There's just no excuse for dropping those games. Um, it's it's um, you know, that they, they would basically field the kickoff or, or, or field the ball from a kick and, and churn back up into the Lions 22, you know, great hit-ups, phase play, spin it wide, come back, pick and go. And then they'd do something silly. They'd drop the ball, they'd try a chip kick, they'd give away a penalty. It, it just was one of those nights. And, you know, off nights are off nights and they happen. Mm. But for the Rebels, they've, they've got to start eliminating them. I mean, well, that, look, If you yeah. go back and have a look at it, I mean, the bit that um – and you know, and I haven't, so I haven't gone back and done any analysis on it. But it was their defense. Wouldn't be the first time for this site. Yeah, no, but that won't stop me from talking about it. Um, <laughs> it was their defense off turnover ball, um, off their own ball that they would turn over, yeah. and they, there was just none. Um, I mean, the, 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 the Lions have been struggling to score a try, right? They, I think they'd scored one try in 200 minutes or some some sort of thing. So it's not like the tri- the Lions have been raining tries this season, and 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 the at the uh, and the rebels were doing quite well on attack, like you say, and but when they turned over the ball, like there was no realignment. It was like, oh bugger, that there you go, that that's gone. And then it was just a sh- you know just a shambles of trying to get any, any sort of defensive line. And I think that was almost all of the the, the lions' tries um, that that sort of stuff came from, even deep in their own in their own half. Um, so yeah, they managed to make the lions look really good when I don't think they they particularly were. And that's a, and that's a really good point for all the defensive improvements that the Rebels have made this season and they clearly have. Mm. They're still struggling with that transition into defense which they've done for 5 years now. Mm. That's that's been the one area that has let them down. So but you, you talked about the table there before Hugh. I've, I've just I've just pulled it up to just to have a look at how close things are. So they're on 11. There's three teams in front of them above them on 14 and then there's two teams inside the 6 on 15. So and, and and then just to make that point clearer, the Sharks and Highlanders in fifth and fifth and sixth uh, respectively have got diff points differentials of five and four. So, had the Rebels actually held on to that that to that game, um, and even if they had have actually gone on with it and actually and managed to you know, find a fourth try, they could actually be sitting as high as fifth. Uh, yeah. Instead, instead they're sitting ninth, tenth, in fact. Yeah. So yeah, and and as you say, if if they want to be taken seriously, and I've used those exact words myself about the Rebels this year, they they do need to win games like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, let's move to the other Aussie game, which again a similarly heartbreaking result with the force getting done in the last couple of minutes again by the Bulls. Um, Brett, did you see this one? I've got to say, I've only caught some of the highlights of this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm in the I'm in the same boat, mate. It was uh, highlights only only for for me for this one, and I th- I thought some of the selections of the force going in were a little bit interesting, but they they certainly kept themselves in the game, didn't they? And and, and again, they they shelled a uh, shelled a late uh, late late points to to give it up. Um, C.S. Eberson's goal from what 59 meters was actually put them in front, and I thought they might, you know, and I thought yeah, surely that's enough to to hold on, but once again, they've just let themselves down, and and and, and unfortunately, about the force, it feels like that they haven't lo- learned any of the lessons that they learned last year, any of the lessons they learned about taking that next step, and it actually feels like they're going backwards this year. Yeah, Matt, with with limited battery life left, so you might be leaving us at any point. <laughs> Obviously, we couldn't the site in its riches couldn't spring for, for you. For, for well, you guys can't go on and me have a and me have battery or electricity. Um, didn't, see, didn't see it, mate. Only saw tries and that sort of stuff. But yeah, yet another coach killer. Um, you got to really feel and and supporter killer. Surely, mm. got to feel for those guys. I well, thought I thought Kyle Godwin was a lot better um, this this week in, in in this game than he has been. In, I, th- I thought he had a pretty quiet start to the season, but he looked a lot better in this game. 
Oh, yeah, and good. good to see Adam Coleman doing well too, even though yeah, he gave true. away that penalty true. in the end. Yeah. Um, he's still clearly developing. Matt, just so before you do go, let, let's give you the chance and, and apologies to the Force fans for glossing over that one a little bit. But let, let's go to the to the Reds Lions game because I'd just like to hear your thoughts on on the Reds' chances in this one against you know traditionally South African sort of cellar dweller side. Admittedly, they've won a few games so far this year. But uh, how, how do you think they'll go uh, on Friday night? Well, they're going to win by 50 points because Quade Cooper's back. Isn't that the... <laughs> That's what the script says. Isn't that... Well, yeah, that, that's what just about every commenter on our site. Uh, no. Uh, well, let's hope. I, know I genuinely do hope. Let's hope that the we're going to see a reinvigorated Reds, which, I mean, I was scoffing about their kind of injury lineup, but I must admit it, it was getting pretty farcical there uh, in the last couple of games. So let's hope that's done it. I suspect, you know, unfortunately I have a suspicion that that's not the whole story um, and it's not all going to be one-way traffic. But, uh, you know, I, I hope we see a Reds back. You know who I feel for? I feel for Adam Thompson. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got that look on his face like, oh, come on, guys. I can't. What did I, I sign up for? I can't do this by myself. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, he's been toiling away for the fucking Highlanders for years, mm. seeing a few good games, but inevitably never playing the finals. He's gone. Yeah. Uh, I've, he's seen what happened with Daniel Braid. Come over. He's seen what happened with Jacques Potgieter. He, he likes, obviously, foreign back rowers haven't made in the Australian teams. They just go straight to the top of the table. But poor old Adam, he's just drawn a bit of a shocker of a year, hasn't he? Uh, yes, and, and and it's looking like yeah, like at right now he's kind of like guys. There's not even someone to play off, um, so I think he's finding it hard to show some form. So look, yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's hope we see the the Reds back. I'm not even sure what the full sort of uh, have we got an idea of all the players that they think they've got back. Not at not at this stage. Apart from Cooper coming out and saying that he's he's ready and he's back, baby. I don't think they've actually gave given too much more away. So there was supposed to be anywhere up to seven back in this game I I suppose even if they get four of those seven that'll be an improvement they they could they could certainly use someone like Bo Robinson they they've probably missed his impact off the off the bench late late in games as good as and I thought Gill's been playing pretty well this year uh, alongside Thompson funnily enough um they just need they need some go forward they need a bit of direction um and it's arguable whether Cooper in his first game in what six months um, is is going to be in, in any kind of state to provide that. I, I think this is a real danger game to pick. The Lions will feel like they can beat anyone at the moment. And, you know, I, I, I find this one a really hard one to pick. Mm. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, no one really knows what to expect when you make so many changes. You've had a week off. I mean, the, the Reds have proved that they can put it together and that, as they did against the Force. Um, and I think that given the forces form after that, it's probably a little bit of a better performance than we thought at the time. Um, so, yeah, uh, fascinating. Really hard to pick. Yeah, you guys are, are pretty much right. Let's move on. The other Friday night game being the Hurricanes against the Rebels in Wellington. Seemingly up against it, the Rebels here. Undefeated Hurricanes um, all going their way in Wellington, back in Wellington for the first time this year with the Cricket World Cup mm. um, now come to an end there. Um does, do you guys see the rebels having any chance? You know, you know. Funnily enough, in all these situ in these situations where everything looks like it's going to be the Hurricanes, and they should win it well, if we're honest, you just never know, do you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you just you don't know because a it's the it's the Hurricanes, um, and b this is the sort of game that the rebels just seems to the rebels have traditionally pulled from their backside, if that makes sense. So, I. Don't, I give them some hope. It's not very much hope. Um, and if I was a betting man, I wouldn't be investing much on the Rebels, I have to admit. But, I mean, the Hurricanes should win it well, but you just never know. Yeah, exactly. And the Rebels, are, as you say, are, are prone to pulling these games up, even though they only did win their first New Zealand game this year. But they, they do turn up. And it's, um, and, it, and it's that win against the Crusaders in the round one that probably makes me say this, that, that you know maybe they are a little bit of a chance here in this one. Exactly. Um, let's move on. Matt, you're still with us. Let's go Waratahs Blues. What, what do you got? Oh, yeah, Waratahs going to shoot this one in. So, um, yep, they're, they're back, baby. Uh, <laughs> going to see them rip the blue anew. I don't know, but the Blues must have their backs up, you know, the backs against the wall by now. I think, aren't there some calls about Sir John Kerwin's Tenure or tenure or whatever. Have I got that right? Oh, by the, oh there are, but but Sir John wants to be there for years. He's got massive plans for this joint. Okay, there, <laughs> there you go. Okay. So uh, 
anyway, yeah. So I reckon the Tars, uh, I would hope uh, to smash it in on this one. I haven't heard of any big injuries to worry about. So anyway, there you go. Okay, thanks for that, Matt. We'll, we'll, we'll let you get back to it, mate, with the uh, battery rapidly declining. And, and we'll go to Brett. Brett, um, what do you think? Uh, Waratah's obviously a pretty good record over the Blues uh, in Sydney. I mean, do you think this is – I mean, the Blues having an abysmal season, as, as was said. Yeah, yeah, we have and they are. Um, look, look the, again, this is – it's actually very similar to the um, to the Hurricanes-Rebels. The, the, the Waratahs should do this comfortably. They should – they should seriously notch up a bonus point win and a pretty comfortable one at that. But you just never know. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, if there's a game that the Blues are going to pull from anywhere, well, why couldn't it be the Waratahs in Sydney? Um, you know, they've got nothing to play for. They haven't been playing for much already. You know, why couldn't they pull this one out of uh, out of the air? So it's a, it's a bit of a danger game to the Waratahs. They won't be able to take it easily. They won't really be able to take too much... Notice of um, of where the Blues are on the table. The Blues have the most po- bonus points in the competition by virtue of four four losing bonus four points. Losses, but yeah. but um, but you know they I mean they're, it's not like they're not scoring tries and their their defensive record certainly isn't the worst in the competition. So you know if if anything they've they've maybe been a little bit hard done by in a couple of those losses so along the way this year. So yeah, we certainly it's the the, the Waratahs certainly won't be able to take them easy. Um, I can, you can just you can just see you know the Blues scoring two tries to get off a really you know quick start and suddenly it's well it's clenched asses in the Waratahs isn't it? It's, yeah, exactly. It's and they've got a that real talent. Got, game. Yeah, you know Frank Halai scoops up a loose ball. Or yeah, Piatau pulls right. something out of his. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just, I mean, yeah, you couldn't rule anything out in that game, could you? No, you couldn't. So, I mean, I, I think again Waratahs if they if they keep that physicality up that we saw against the Brumbies. I mean, I, I, you'd think they'd be all right. Um, I, I think it's a tendency as Australian rugby fans probably to to um, worry a little bit too much about these Kiwi teams. But the yeah, if, if the side think, was there, and, and I as think in situations like this, though, I think it's probably yeah, it's, it's probably a little bit yeah, justified. If it was, yeah, if if they'd had one, if they'd had one win and they just genuinely weren't playing very well, then you might say, you know, no, we well, don't worry about it. But yeah. I think just the fact that they have lost four of their five by less than seven you've just got to give them a little bit more credit than than, than we perhaps yeah. realize and also the world has coming off a, a pretty physical sunday game and yeah precisely too, yeah so that's, that's it's there, there could be an element of you know that that might have been their you know their march grand final if you like and i don't say yeah. that disparagingly like it just could be you know the absolute emotional high point of the season so far for them and so the natural come down from that is down so it's a real danger game, realistically. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, the hallmark of their season last year was that ability to go to keep stepping up, yeah. especially in those last sort of seven or eight rounds. Uh, this is the first big test for them to see if they can keep that foot on the accelerator as opposed to sort of... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to I, I like to say um, it's becoming more regular, I have to admit. I like to say that, that sometimes teams aren't necessarily as good as their last game, but they're as good as their next one. And then this, and it feels like this same sort of situation for the Waratahs. If if you know if they if they drop this one to the Blues, then how much do we read into the win over the Brum, if, over, over the Brumbies? If exactly. they if they beat the Blues by forty, then fair enough, they probably are back. Yeah. Well, let, let's move to to the uh, last Australian game of the weekend, and that's the Force against the Sharks in Durban. Uh, Sharks, fair to say they've had a bit of an up and down season. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably fair to say that. I mean, that game against the Chiefs, I mean, was was certainly a two red cards to to Duplessis and and to Stain. Yeah, a real well, just, sort just of on, win. Just on that, Bismarck got four weeks, and 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 quite rightly so. I was as sh- I was shocked as hell to see that Francois Stain got was not only found not guilty, but the red card will be expunged from his record. <laughs> it's it's. Again, this is the classic Sanzar judiciary. They, they give you one, and then they give you another one just to make make I you mean, think like the because because yeah. I, I actually thought I actually thought Angus Gardner handled that one really really well at the time. There'd already been two red cards in the game. He could quite easily have said to the TMO, "No, you're right. We will just go with yellow. Let's not finish this with you know fourteen on thirteen. But instead, yeah. he said, "No, no, we've seen this at ground level, and from our view, it looks like it's all on stain. And for somehow that to get argued. Down on on you know, video evidence or whatever. I, I'm just I'm 
I'm surprised by that. I'm, I'm surprised that they. Well, yeah, it's it seemed like a pretty straight. Re- I mean, and Jonathan Kaplan, I think, it was uh, on Twitter saying yeah. again, I, all of them were justified. So, and I and I understand, and I understand that that Cobus Rhino obviously played an important part in the tackle, but we, as we all know, and, and yeah. we, I keep I keep thinking back back to uh, Rob Simmons in, um, in in England or in the UK. When was that? End of 2013 for what seemed like a seemingly, seemingly innocuous tip tackle, if there is such a thing. What do you end up with? Six weeks, seven weeks? Yeah, something like well, that. And, and that case of Digby Iwani again, I think yeah. it was that same year. And as, as we, as we know, as they said in all weeks. of those, it's the it's the onus on the tackler to put the the yeah. tackled player down safely. And and Stain yeah. drove down. There is no way in the world he was trying to put him down safely. So I was rather surprised by that. So yes, it is fair to say the Sharks have been up and down this year. <laughs> I, I don't. I honestly don't know what to think of this game because the force will take yeah. a lot out of out of that loss to the Bulls last week. They'll they'll and I think they'll fancy their chances against the Sharks because the Sharks haven't been playing well. Their their record this year isn't very good at all. They seem to be you know this they again they've they've conceded twelve tries, only scored thirteen. They just don't look like they've got a lot of shape about them at the moment. And so and I, then I wonder what the loss of of Bismarck Duplessis up front actually does for them. Taking taking their, you know, the the talisman out of a team, I think it's got to have a have an effect on them. It has to. The Force are becoming a really hard team to tip this year. They I mean, are. They, and I often I wonder with their South African trips too. And I've wondered this in the past. I think we on on the East Coast um, probably um, conflate a little bit the challenges that they face over there because we forget. I mean, for an East Coast side, the time difference is huge over in South Africa. But the Force are actually. It's pretty much the same for them as coming over to play in Sydney or in Melbourne. Well, um, it's, it's certainly the same for them to, to go and play in New Zealand. It's it's yeah. five hours five hours either way. So, um, yeah, you're right. They they would probably and, and especially now playing in Durban this this week, coming back down to sea coming level, back down to sea level. Yeah, this will you know will sort of feel like well, not a home game, but you know you, it'll 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 certainly feel feel familiar. Yeah, on paper, I mean, you, you've got to say the Sharks have probably got that class edge, but the Force. As they've shown in, in previous years, and they've still got that same team, that if they put it together, they've got those players. And you can see Carl Godwin coming into form. Ben McCallum's still the form. He, he's, the he is, he's fantastic. He's been fantastic this year, yeah. Ben McCallum. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan, fan of his. I have been for a, for a number of years. Well, I mean, it's, it's still not cool to admit you're a Ben McCallum fan. but No, it isn't, is it? No, I'm, I'm, I'm with I've, you. I've, I'm long, the, I've long been a, been a rap on him, but he's just been... In in that moment where they lost Hodgson and they needed someone to step up, McCallum has been absolutely outstanding this year yeah. for the Force. So, um, but he can't do it on his own, and I think that's been the biggest issue for the Force this year is that he's been the standout by a long, long way in that Force team. And and you've seen little bursts by guys like Angus Cottrell, Sam Wikes, yeah, uh, Adam, Adam, Adam Coleman, Adam just Coleman. On the weekend, yeah, yeah, exactly. But they probably need, and they also probably need their next generation of front rowers to step yeah. up a bit. I think to Terra Faulkner's. At that time, now he's played for the Wallabies. He's been on camp, and I think he's got to start making that step. Yeah, you know, that step that. to push in um, up to that next level. But I, th- I mean, I think, I, they, I think they need to. I think they need to sort out what who their what their midfield is too. They've so yeah. they've chopped and changed between Eberson and Zach Holmes. They've um, you know Kyle Goblin's been wearing thirteen and but playing second receiver uh, in attack. So he. he I actually asked Michael Foley about this about four weeks ago. What was the thinking behind playing Godwin at outside centre and 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 Rasselier inside? And he said it's essentially it's 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 sort of neither here nor there because because Godwin actually defended at thirteen all of last year anyway. So it's more about it's similar to what the Brumbies do with with Lilifano at twelve. It's it's not necessarily about first phase attack. It's about second, third, fourth phase attack and making sure you've got a playmaker, a creative player of some sort. They're ready to go, and so and they're. If you do watch them, um, if, if you do happen to watch them, I noticed that Zach Holmes and and Godwin were often playing on opposite sides of the ruck as well. They're almost playing like a league setup. So um, there's a little bit of method behind the madness, it seems. But they just need to they need to pick a fly half and stick to him, I think, because I think yeah. they've, they've started three each or something like that at this stage. Well, so. I mean, that's it's and, and generally speaking, that's been the story of the forces of team. I mean, yeah, going true. going right back. I mean, that true. just getting that. 10, 12, 13 combinations. Ever, ever since Guido left, if we're honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, that, it goes yeah right back to those firepower days. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I mean, I, I'll probably, if I have to put it down, I'll say I'll tip the Sharks, but it wouldn't surprise me to wake up 
on Sunday morning and and see that the force of force have got up. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't disagree with that. I think without having seen any teams or anything like that, you probably have to favour the Sharks at home. But um, if there was ever a game again, like we've like we've said about a few teams tonight so so far, if ever there was a game, the the force were were going to surprise us with this. This could be it. It could be as you know, as good as any. So uh, I, I look. I hope, I hope they do. I, I, they they need a good win like that to sort of give give the season a kickstart. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end. Really, round of round seven. Um, Brumbies with the with the bye, which as we said, they're, they're probably going to need. Um, Brett, I'll leave I'll leave you on this one one question. Last question before before we go. Uh, it's it's a it is if there is to be a Wallaby debutant this year. Uh, after round seven, who do you think it'll be? Oh, good question. Um, good question. Look, I think it might be. We've we've talked about him. I think it might be Rory Arnold. I've I I mentioned him very very early in the preseason, uh, back in early January. I think I wrote a wrote a piece about you know who might be the the five signings of the year for the Australian this this Australian conference. And Rory Arnold was the guy I mentioned for the Brumbies. I've I've very deliberately not talked him up or anything like that after what has been a pretty decent start but I think he's he's held his own every week against in, in some pretty good company um, and you know injury notwithstanding on the, on the weekend I think it could be him I think the if the Australian lock stocks are so low that Dean Mum fancies his chances for in, in, a, in a World Cup year then, <laughs> yeah. then you know you, you just never know so it it's he's a he's a hundred and like 120 kilo 208 centimeter lock it's it's hard for him not to have a presence and he's you know he's not just a one-trick pony he's not just a line-out jumper he's got presence around the field he's got an offload um he carries pretty well so he just he could be something special but and and the the biggest surprise in all that is that this is his fourth or fifth year of rugby full stop like not professionally full stop so you know he's just what looks like it looks like he might be one of those late bloomers and and hopefully there's um there's a good story for him at the end true True. Mine, for the record, I, I was thinking about it before. I mean, Lopetti Tamani is obviously. I, I agree yeah. with Rory Arnold. Lopetti Tamani is one. I'd also say Paul Alawamil might be another. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with you on Lopetti Tamani. I, I think I might like to see Paul Alawamil start a few games. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm more thinking just yeah. from a positional perspective, where because I can't really see any young backs forcing their way in this year. I think it's going to have to be in the forward pack, yeah. and there might just be a few games. Before the World Cup, where Sakopi Kepu has a rest and yeah. the next level of tight heads come through, and, and really Ben Alexander is a bit of a known commodity, so yeah. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Michael Checker throws Paul Aloamil onto the bench and, and he gets ten minutes at the end of a game against Argentina or someone. Yeah, maybe I couldn't couldn't rule it out. I, I do wonder if him going to France might yeah, count. count it. It, sh- it shouldn't, and Checker said that it won't, but. You know, in those 50 young, 50 scenarios, young young, right. young yeah. guy hasn't really started a lot this year. Let's just let him go to France. I just wonder if that might might come up. But but you know, good good couple of shouts. We'll see how they go. We will, we will. And on that note, we'll end the podcast. Thanks to Matt for coming on. He's just had to go. I think he's got the chopper waiting on the roof. Um, something <laughs> about a meeting in Geneva. I think he's got tomorrow. So good good luck with that. Um, Brett, as always, um, a pleasure. And um, look forward to having you on next time. Anyone that wants to catch Brett, uh, look for his writing on the Raw on ESPN Scrum and Twitter at BMC Sport. Yeah, have and, I got and, that all in? You have, you have. You can you can wave to me if I'm sitting on a sideline in front of you as well. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> thanks, 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 Brett. Thanks, uh, mate. Really enjoyed yeah. it. And um, see everyone again next week. <laughs>